Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. This episode is brought to you by supporters at PayPal, Patreon, YouTube, and Unfound's gracious advertisers. On this episode, I do a follow-up on a couple of stories from last week. I discuss a lawsuit involving the disappearance of a 12-year-old boy. I talk about Madeline McCann, and I cover a whole bunch of other stuff, including... Do I like gangster rap? I'm at Denzel, and this is Unfound Live for February 20th, 2023. Why, yes, I do wish to go live, YouTube. Thank you for asking. (laughs) It is the live show for February 20th, 2023. Happy to be here. Uh, It was an absolutely gorgeous day in Clearwater Beach, Florida. And in fact, this uh, past weekend, it was... um, it's a little chilly in the morning on Saturday, but it grew to be even in the afternoon. It was still kind of cool, but um, overall, this weekend was just beautiful. These, as I've said many times, these are the months and weeks and days. The reason that people uh, choose to live in Florida, it's not because of the July and Augusts. It's because of that time between like like October and April. That's why people live here. But um, hope all of you are doing well. I have a fantastic show planned for you tonight. Got a lot to talk about. A lot of international stuff. Some unfound stuff. A few personal items. I do have a couple questions to answer uh, tonight. So, uh, and we'll, I'll try to squeeze it in, you know, me being a trained professional here, uh, I will try to squeeze it all in the next two hours. I really don't like the live show to go over about, uh, two hours. Um, my voice starts to give out around that time anyway, and I have still have my allergies going on. So if you see or hear me cough, during this, it's because of that. I'm not sick. I don't have any, uh, it's nothing but allergies. And really, uh, I think I'm doing better than I did. It was last week, but it was weird uh, being out on the, on the disc golf course this weekend uh, for three rounds that I would just be sitting there like in between baskets, you know, would get to the next tee and people would still be down on the fairway or something. And I would just sit down in a matter of moments, you'd just see like this little, all this little stuff, you know, and I wear, I always wear black when I play. Uh, of course I do. 
but you can just see automatically the stuff flying through landing on. And that's what I'm allergic to this, you know, the little stuff flying through the air and anything drives my allergies nuts. So I'm glad I had my inhaler and I took my Allegra and I've done that today and I'll probably continue to do that for the rest of February. I want to remind all of you to hit the thumbs up. Please hit the like button for this video as you are watching the live show tonight. Even if you are watching uh, later, I don't care if it's um, tomorrow or way down the road or if somehow uh, YouTube is still around in the year 2057 and this account still exists. If you're watching this video, still hit the hit the thumbs up button. It's not going to hurt anything. Just do it. All right, so who's in here? Nephew Charles, what's going on, Charles? I hope you're doing well out there in Colorado. Deborah, what's going on? Hello, Kathy. Hello, Jasmine. The Real, I want you to know, I'm just going to tell you right now, The Real, on Wednesday night, so that would be like Thursday afternoon, your time, I'm going to be talking uh, to a family member about a disappearance in Australia. Emily, my assistant Emily, has made it happen. So uh, 11 p.m. Eastern time on Wednesday night, I will be talking to somebody in Australia. It will be 3 p.m. Thursday, your time. So um, I'm excited about that. We're going to do the talk over Messenger, I think. So hello, Lisa. Hello, Jody. Shuri. What's going on, Shuri? Thank you for moderating tonight. And Mark. And Spleen, hey, Spleen, uh, where have you been? I, I don't know if I've seen you recently. How have you been? The real, that's good to hear. Yeah, we're going to do what we can, uh, the real. Um, not sure. I've read a few things. I don't want to uh, jinx anything, so I'm not going to say who the missing person is right at this point. But um We'll see. I uh, have a couple different ideas about the disappearance right now. Jody with the hearts. Look at you, Jody. And Sharon says, I made it on time. So did I, Sharon. So did I. All good in Colorado. Great to hear, Charles. Spleen says, I've been well, thank you. Gets busy here on weeknights. Okay. That's cool. So once again, give this um, – I'm going to shut my phone off there. Um, please give this video a thumbs up. Like it on your laptop, whatever you got out there, whatever you're listening or watching on, just do it. I want to turn the ringer off on this. Okay. So uh, also um, maybe join this crowd, subscribe right there if you're a first time viewer to this live show. And if you feel like getting a little more uh, frisky with it, maybe you want to join this channel. Uh, on here on YouTube, you can hit the join button, um, but you'll probably have to do that from a regular computer on uh, many phones. You're not going to be able to see the join button. You can help uh, contribute to unfound success. Just hit the join button and you can see what that is all about. And also patreon.com, of course, forward slash unfound podcast. Mark says, great episode this past Friday. Enjoyed it. Thank you, Mark. Uh, you know, uh, Mark uh, Bowman's disappearance is one of those that 
if you really, really wanted to, you could probably do like a four hour episode or five hour, make it into a series. There's so many things going on. There's so much to talk about. Uh, being, uh, you know, a combination of Bo himself and the work that he's doing and these people around him and, um, but, um, so it really lends itself to doing a good interview like, uh, Amy did certainly. And we just have to remember, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about it in a moment, but just have to remember that it's a very, very new disappearance. It's not even two, it's not even close to two years old. In fact, it's not even a year and a half old yet. So as I often say with these newer disappearances that I would not be surprised. You know, I'm hoping of course that Bo's found alive tomorrow, but if he's not, and this disappearance, the mystery of it goes on for a while. It would not surprise me if a year from now, there is the, there are even even more things are known. More, there are even more facts, not more theories and suspicions, but more facts are out there a year from now. That would not surprise me at all. Now, if this was a disappearance that was 10 years old, of course, that's a little different. For what it's worth, I think he's still alive out there and not a victim of foul play. Okay, Mark. Mark getting in his uh, opinion on that. Okay, that's... Uh, that is certainly uh, a unique opinion, Mark. Okay, uh, you're entitled to it. As far as what's going on for me, uh, with me, I did play some disc golf this weekend. Uh, sometimes I played very well, and other times not so well. I did not finish very well. I got beat by quite a few shots, but I would say that at least off the tee. So throwing from the pad, you know, to start the next basket. Um, I think I probably played as well as the leaders did. It was everything else that was not very good. So uh, approach shots. So like on par fours, like getting the disc close enough to make sure you get the birdie, you know, get a three on a par four or when it came to the putting missing putts, man, did I miss a lot of putts. I certainly off the tee, I played well enough, I think, to finish in the top five. Everything else uh, was probably, you know, probably last in the division. And that's why I ended up like somewhere in the middle. But really not, I just know what I need to work on. Um, Certainly when it comes to the throwing part of it off the tee, that's what I've been working on. And granted, I had some bad shots, but really I cannot complain. Uh, if I continue to throw like that for the rest of this year, I will be happy with that. But my upshots and my punting have to get better, but I haven't been working on them. So what can I expect? So um, it was a grind out there on Saturday, though. Uh, the second round that Saturday afternoon was like three and a half hours, over three and a half hours. Wow. I mean, I even said to my group, you know, we got we started on basket number three. 13 because it's shotgun start and we got around to like basket number eight and i was like we still have five baskets to go what it just seemed there was a lot of waiting around and a lot of backups and things and unfortunately partly it's the design of the course unfortunately but that's where I was. And so if my face looks a little red today, it's uh, because of the sun I got on Saturday afternoon. You know, we teed off at 8.30, played the first round, then we went to a different course, 
Started there at one thirty, finished at like five. I didn't get home till after six. And then I got up yesterday morning and started at nine thirty. But luckily that round was only like two hours and twenty minutes or something like that. And it went fairly quickly. Although there were a couple backups there as well. Not happy, you know me. I'm I'm competitive. I don't like getting beat and everything, but considering everything. I'm just going to have to be happy with that for now. And like I said, I think I've maybe said this on a prior live show within the last couple months that for 2023, I'm really just working on the correct mentality up there. If I don't win any or a lot this year, I think I'll be okay with it. Um, But I do need to start practicing more. So uh, tree meant to tell you that the friend I went to see this weekend as a brother lives in PA and is a disc golf pro. Uh, wow, Sheree, that is a small world. I don't know if you want to put that disc golf pro's name here in the chat, but maybe if you want to text me that, that would be something that is very, very interesting to me. Um, I, I wonder if this person is actually what they would call a touring pro, doing it exclusively or has a regular job, but when he plays tournaments or she plays tournaments, uh, brother that plays. Okay, so he... You know, did you just play like locally or what? That would be interesting for me um, to know, Tree. But I don't know if you want to put his name here in the chat. But that is interesting. I'm always looking to hear about people who know other disc golf people. Brit, uh, Brian, hi, I just tuned in. Thank you, Brian. We're just getting started here. So you're on time. Uh, Paula, hello, Paula. What's going on there in Texas this evening? And Sheree says, I'll test you. (laughs) I think you meant, I bet you will, Sheree. I bet you will test me. Uh, I know what you meant, Sheree. That's funny. Okay. Uh, Yeah, you could text me with a name and uh, I'll see if I know the person or not. Um, Valentine's Day. Did everybody get out of Valentine's Day alive? Um, You know, or some of of you uh, have been sleeping on the couch since last Tuesday. Inquiring minds want to know. That's all I got to say about that. All right, let's get into, let's just go right to the uh, to the national or international um, news, true crime news. And first where I want to go is I want to talk about this autistic boy uh, who uh, went missing from La Vista, Nebraska on May 17th, 2021. And the reason I'm bringing this up is because it's it's now news because uh, his mother is actually going to court, if you can believe it, to have him declared deceased. And, but as, you know, the disappearance isn't even two years old yet. And, you know, although it doesn't come up a lot in in interviews that I do, you should know that of the 280 disappearances that we've covered on Unfound, very few of those missing people have been cl- declared deceased. Very, very few. It's a very small percentage. In fact, I would say it's probably less than 20%. So when you hear about a mother who wants to declare her son deceased and the disappearance isn't even two years old yet, and really there's no signs of violence or anything like that it's going to get people's attention and then especially when she is ready to go to court 
to be able to do this. So this is why, um, you know, it's getting national attention and why I want to talk about it. Hello, Twinkle. What's going on, Twinkle? Good to see you. So I'm going to read this. This is uh, actually what somebody wrote up because it has like, I think, all of the pertinent, real, factual information regarding uh, Ryan's disappearance. And his full name, by the way, is Ryan Larson, L-A-R-S-E-N, not S-O-N. Maybe some of you already know about his disappearance uh, anyway. But I want to read just some of the details, and then I'm just going to give you uh, some insight, and I'm sure some of you have insight as well. Ryan was last seen in La Vista, Nebraska on May 17th, 2021. He was a sixth grader. I got this, by the way. It's kind of a combination of web sleuths and actual factual articles. It's something that somebody wrote that I'm reading. I did not write this. He was a sixth grader at La Vista West Elementary School. After becoming frustrated with a math math problem, Ryan went to another room to be by himself and calm down. An adult was supposed to be supervising him, but one supervisor had to leave the room and the replacement was late. During the time he was not supervised, between 11.55 a.m. and 12.05 p.m., Ryan left the school campus. At 12.27 p.m., so... 17 minutes? No. Uh, Let me add this up. Yeah, 17... No. 22 minutes after um, the person was supposed to be there. 12.27 p.m., the school notified his mother that he was missing. At 12.29 p.m., the school called 911, and the police arrived five minutes later to begin a search. So he leaves at some time between 11.55 and 12.05 p.m., uh, let's just say it was noon. Within a half hour, the police are on the scene, and this this disappearance is still uh, unsolved almost two years later. A neighbor saw Ryan at 1.45 p.m. at Southfield Apartments, about two blocks from his school, on 84th Street and Harrison Street. Now, to put that kind of in a timeline, so he leaves at noon, but almost two hours later, he's only two blocks from the school. You know, surely he could have walked farther than that in that amount of time. So it's something to think about. He was holding his umbrella at the time. Ryan lived at the apartment complex with his his mother and one older sister, but he couldn't have gone inside his apartment after leaving school because he didn't have the key. He's never been, uh, to use in unfound terms, he's never been, he was never seen again. More than six weeks later, His umbrella was found near a dumpster behind Southfield Apartments where he lived. Why it took six weeks or six weeks later, I don't know. This is the same place where he was last seen on the day of his disappearance. Ryan lived there with his mother and one older sister, but he couldn't have gone. That's already said. Due to his autism, Ryan has a history of running away and hiding. The police referred to him as the king of hide and seek due to his habit of running. He had been enrolled in Project Lifesaver, which equips vulnerable people with a GPS tracking bracelet so they can be found if they go missing. However, Ryan repeatedly cut off the tracker, and eventually his mother stopped making him wear it. In spite of his history, Ryan has never been gone this long before. He would usually be located nearby in a short time after running away. His family describes him as a a happy boy who enjoyed helping others, such as his school janitor. 
His father was never part of his life, but he has two older sisters who were grown and out of the family home by the time of his disappearance. This is important. Prior, prior to his disappearance, Rand had searched online for things such as how to hide underground, how to avoid being spotted, and how to hide from police. Extensive searches have turned up no indication of his whereabouts. His case remains unsolved. Now, to follow that up, two new legal developments in the case of a La Vista woman, and this is very recently, who wants her missing son declared dead. 12-year-old Ryan Larson, who has autism, was last seen 21 months ago on May 17th, 2021, leaving his La Vista school around lunchtime. His mother, Tammy Larson, is asking a Sarpy County judge to appoint her in charge of her son's affairs and rule him no longer missing. With a court hearing scheduled for Tuesday, La Vista Police Chief Bob Lawson, who has been subpoenaed by the mom to testify, is now asking the judge to quash the subpoena. On Friday, Lawson told the court the Ryan Larson case is an ongoing search and criminal investigation, and his testimony should not be allowed because it might make public specific make public specific confidential information jeopardizing the investigation, which includes federal, state, and local law enforcement. If the subpoena isn't quashed, Lawson wants the court to limit the scope of his testimony. As of late Friday, so just this past Friday, the judge had not ruled on Lawson's request. In her initial court filing, Tammy Larson appears to blame the school for her son's disappearance. Just before he exited the building, employees of the La Vista Elementary School saw Ryan Larson at school. No immediate action was taken to prevent him from exiting the school doors, nor was any immediate action taken to retrieve him from outside the school building. So the way I would interpret this is that the reason she wants to declare her son deceased is so she can file a lawsuit uh, against the school district. It's, uh, you know... um, It does say here, at one point, police turned their attention to registered sex offenders living in the area, but that part of the search went cold as well in the town of 7,000 that borders Douglas County. See, that doesn't um, make any sense to me. You know, it's clear to me, I mean, even the police, I guess, had, you know, this was was his thing. This was Ryan's thing. And I'm not an autism, autism, autism expert. On this, so I don't want to, um, you know, try to explain all of this to you. But <clears throat> it seems to me that the their belief, the people who've written these articles, is that he liked to hide from people, and even when you know they tried to keep track of him, he would take the GPS device off because I guess this was fun to him. Even to the point where it, it sounds here, it says here that he was actually doing searches uh, on the internet on how to hide underground. He was actually trying to win the hide and seek game. Now, we also have to, of course, understand that autism has nothing necessarily to do with intelligence. So he was perfectly, Ryan at 12 years old, perfectly capable of doing searches. What's interesting to me is that he would actually put how to hide from police, not to how to hide from his mother, 
not to hide from friends, not to hide from teachers, but to actually hide from police. To me, that is um, probably pretty unique. It's probably a really, really unique search term. <laughs> and I think when we think of this, maybe we actually think of uh, criminals <clears throat> who might go on to Google or something and type, you know, the police are after me. How am I supposed to get away from them? How am I supposed to hide from them? How do I keep myself from going to jail? So that a 12-year-old who really necessarily hasn't had any problems with the police is actually doing a how to hide from police search is something. Uh, now, let me say uh, what everybody in Needle Park, good evening. Brian, hi, uh, Needle Park. Um, 10 minute window, right, Brian? Spleen, what a nightmare. My son has autism. Okay, Spleen. Uh, like to help the school janitor that sticks out to Needle, Needle Park. My mindset is always negative. So for me, this innocent social raises red flags for a person like me. Um, Paula, at my school, we had a special needs kids walk off campus. She took a friend with her. The principal found them walking down a six-lane street about a half a mile from school. She was only eight. The teacher in charge was immediately fired. Well, you know, the whole thing about this, though, is that there's no reason necessarily, I guess, to believe that Ryan is deceased. And... Uh, I'm guessing that the mother has been counseled by a lawyer that she wants to sue the school district, but there must be a lawyer that she's talking to telling her that, well, you'll have a lot more success with this if he's actually, you know, if you actually declare him deceased. What happens if you get into this lawsuit and it turns out that he was, let's say he was picked up by somebody, Uh, of course, the odds of him, if he was picked up by some adult stranger, the odds of him being alive right now are, of course, very, very low. But even so, if the police find out about something, how is the law, the lawsuit then going to look? So I guess the mother is, unless, of course, the mother is involved, and maybe some of you are going to go in that direction. I can't blame you because we know, you know, I've talked about these statistics before. When kids go missing, most oftentimes it's the parent who is responsible. It's like 70, 75, 80% of the time. So we have to consider that. On the other hand, and we also have to remember that if we're to believe this sighting of him, you know how I feel about sightings, but it seems that umbrella was found near there. That it does sound to me like he was trying to go home or something. So. Where was his mother during this time? We, I don't, couldn't really find that information out there anywhere. Where, but if we are to believe that his mother didn't have anything to do with his uh, disappearance, then I guess she really, really believes for some reason that uh, he is deceased, and she's just going by the fact that it's been since May of 2021, and he hasn't popped up again. To me, it is still a bit strange. Um, Seems like someone must have interacted with him, thus foul play, maybe. Needle Park, was it specifically hide from police or was it perhaps police canine or police? I'm just reading what the person wrote, Needle. 
uh, and it was in quotes, so I don't. Did it record the websites that Google gave him for answers? I'm 100% certain it was most likely Reddit. Mark in India, I wonder how it works if someone is declared deceased and later resurfaces. Yeah. Brian, do any cameras show anyone talking with him? Um, Brian, I just don't know. Uh, I'm just reading what I could find today when I saw this article. It seems to me uh, I did look at some web sleuth stuff. The 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 um the thread is not that long. It's you know you can go through each page of it fairly quickly. Nothing about video or anything like just this sighting near his apart uh, near where he lived with his mother in an apartment complex, and then this umbrella that was found, presumably his, but. You know, how odd or how unique of a, uh, of an umbrella was it? Um, Ferry, I've been hired in schools for this specific reason. The school is responsible to keep all the children safe, autistic or not. So the school is responsible if he ran off from campus. So, well, then I guess the question, Ferry, since you seem to know a little bit about this, is then why does she, you know, does she really, really have to declare him deceased to win in a lawsuit? My perception is no, but, you know, that's really not my expertise. Uh, all I know is that most of the disappearances that we cover on Found, on Unfound, of course, all they're all unsolved when we get to them. Very rarely are the people declared deceased. We know some of those reasons that people are declared deceased. For example, Dorian Myers, she was declared deceased, so her son, who was underage at the time, could get her stuff and get that all that stuff taken care of but i don't think you know she was an adult and what was it within a year of her disappearance i really don't remember maybe it was about the same time frame but it's a totally different situation not to mention that also can't forget dorian myers's house was burned and her car was burned as well so I think the mother is maybe bringing her on some unwanted attention in all of this. And it just seems to me that could she not have done this without having to declare him deceased? In my opinion, either his mom grew tired of raising a child that requires patience and caring in order to perhaps spare herself. So uh, needles, I don't know if we want to necessarily get into theories or anything needle, but I I see what you're saying. Needle. Certainly. I I can't argue with that. Um, I think people are going to, maybe it's from the beginning. They've been suspicious of her. I don't know. Uh, searches are interesting. Perhaps he got directed to a forum like Reddit was green groom baby fairy. The scream is legally a school is legally responsible. If that's the place he was, well, I get that fairy, but I guess what I'm saying is, do you have to declare this, uh, the kid deceased to win a lawsuit? That's my point. That's my question. I remember this case. I think he was interested in police. Autistic kids have fascinations. That could have been his. My son doesn't like the typical kid stuff. The specific search is not troubling. Okay. You know, it seems to me that if he did these searches, he was, you know, he was looking to leave at, you know, the earliest possible time. It sounds like he had some frustrations that day, which is only going to raise his desire to get out of there. And, you know, I'm not inclined to believe that he was picked up by anybody. Uh, I I think we should just take this young uh, man at his word. He wanted to go hide. 
And the problem is, is that all the adults there who have searched for them for him haven't figured out where that hiding place is. I just find it, uh, it stretches my imagination a little bit to think that he did these searches for how to hide and underground and everything. But then in the process of doing that, he actually got snatched by somebody. That just really stretches my imagination. So I have to tell you, I think he did go hide somewhere and, and something happened. I will tell you, being that this this one writing here says that the umbrella was found by a dumpster behind Southville Apartments. I, I know this is going to, you know, and it's May and everything else. Are we sure that he just didn't decide to hide in the dumpster? And then the garbage truck. I know this is horrible, but we know this happens. This this happens to homeless people all the time if you start Googling this. Homeless people, they climb into a dumpster to sleep, and the garbage truck comes along, and they get thrown into the back of it. And, and we know what goes on in the back of one of those garbage trucks. Everything gets compacted. Are we sure that that's not what happened? This is the first thing that comes to mind. Now, 12-year-old, on the other hand, if he's doing a search for, you know, searching, hiding underground, in quotes, I start thinking, did he, would a 12-year-old be able to move a man hole cover in the middle of the street and climb down in one of those and then, of course, pull it back over? Would a 12-year-old be able to do that? I mean, those things are pretty heavy. But if you're motivated, if you if you think it's a game and you really, really want to win, you might be motivated at 12 years old to move something like that. Of course, the question then is what happens after that? Well, maybe you decided to go down there and uh, do a little searching or something and, you know, something happened. I've never been down under a street through a manhole cover, so I don't know what's really down there, except what they show in movies, and we have to remember that's entertainment. So I did look, you know, there's I, I know that there's some bodies of water were searched or looked at, but really um there's there is a river there, but it's not nearby. Of course, he didn't do a search for hiding in a river. But this just doesn't feel to me like this is foul play. I think that this is something where he wanted to play a hide and seek game and, and just took it too far. He, he thought it was a game. Whereas all the adults knew it wasn't a game that when kids go off and try to do sometimes do things like that, there are dangers involved. So, What's everybody saying? Um, Fairy, the legally deceased may depend on the state. Okay, Fairy. Mark, perhaps she's after a wrongful death lawsuit. Yep, we just don't know that he's dead. Brian, it does seem odd the mom would lose hope and declare the son deceased. Uh, she must really, really want to win that lawsuit really badly. Uh, a lot of adults willing to help him hide. You're right, Needle, but, you know, the thing is, at least from the information I'd be able to gather, it it doesn't sound to me like he was searching for another uh, adult to help him. He was looking to do this on his own. But 
That famous England disappearance in the early 2000s was a revolve of a guy falling asleep in a dumpster. Okay, needle. Uh, British soldier manhole covers are very heavy. Uh, Brian is saying unlikely that a 12-year-old can move one. Okay. Spleen girl, do you think mom thinks that happened? Dumpster scenario, and that is why she thinks he's dead? Could be, but uh, I don't see her filing any charges against the, uh, the garbage company, Spleen. I mean, I'm just reading what's here. I've not talked to anybody. You know, I, I probably heard about this disappearance when it happened, but I just don't remember it. But when you tell me that the kid had an umbrella, I guess it was raining that day or something. And the umbrella they, that they, the people believe to be his is found behind the Southfield apartments back where a dumpster is or anything. That's the first thing that comes to mind. And so maybe they should be searching. I know this is horrible. It's, it all sucks. Maybe they should be searching their local landfill. I know it's, I, but. Ferry, if he was under an IEP special education, it's a huge legal deal. They're under federal laws. It doesn't matter what he was searching. Someone was responsible to keep special ed kids on their side. I, I get it, Ferry. And I, and once again, I get why she wants to file a lawsuit. I just don't know what declaring him legally deceased has to do with it. The real below ground hiding places would be just as dangerous as dangerous dumpsters too. I agree with you, real. Hey, it's all dangerous. Uh, you know, twelve year old playing a game, autistic, you know, perceives the world in, in a different way than the rest of us. Um, it is dangerous. Absolutely. And this is, of course, this is why he was be, supposed to be supervised. And um, that's why I guess this lawsuit is maybe going to go forward. It's just the declaring legally deceased part of it. Maybe she thinks that in court, you know, that that'll be the defense. How can you? But the thing is, I think she could win her lawsuit even still, even if they said, well, you can't prove. These, all that she has to prove is they didn't supervise him correctly. That's all they have to do. She doesn't have to show that he's dead or not. Let's say that they, you know, it's a different scenario. Same thing happens, but he walks out into the street, gets hit by a car. He survives, maybe even fully recovers, but still that would be a lawsuit. So he could still be alive and lawsuits could still be brought. So why is she declaring him deceased? When still the supervision was not, you know, good. It's hard to understand. Uh, the first grade autistic boy I was hired to watch because he said he was going to go outside and drive the bread, the, the bread truck, and he meant it. Okay. Coffee mantle covers are left off for construction, and sometimes they forget to put them back on. Maybe that's an idea, Coffee. Look at you. I love that idea, Coffee. Good one. Spleen, she might have had a weird lawyer advising her, maybe. No, uh, even the person who graduates uh, last in his class in law school gets to be a lawyer as long as he passes the bar. It's kind of like a Jerry Seinfeld joke about doctors. Uh, Farrier child is gone regardless. Yeah, Mark, I think just wrongful debt is probably a bigger payday than negligence. Yeah, probably, Mark. Fairy, basically it is. You lost my child. Uh, I like, I, I'll say it. I, this just doesn't seem like foul play to me. Although I am certainly open to the idea that maybe 
his mother had something to do with it. But there are no facts to support that. I'm just going by the percentages. Uh, otherwise, I think that you might start looking, as like uh, Coffee said, that um, were there any open manhole covers? Were there any construction going on in the area that by the time they realized that, you know, the construction was always already done or something? I don't know. Or did he hide in a dumpster? Remember, it was May in Nebraska. It's still going to be a little chilly, but it might have been raining that day. But maybe he gets in the dumpster, and we know how those big dumpsters have the flaps that fold over, so he could stay out of the rain if it was raining. Makes a lot of sense to me, especially given that the umbrella was found near there. So I just wanted to pass along that that story to all of you. I want to remind all of you, as you are watching... Please give this video a thumbs up. Can you do that? Also, while you're watching this live show tonight, February 20th, 2023, if you could hit that super chat button down there uh, below the chat box, uh, that's that little rectangle with the dollar sign in the middle of it, and you can monetarily contribute, we would appreciate it. Uh, Twinkle says, I don't think he's still alive, but mom having him declared dead is weird. Twinkle, maybe she has gotten used to not having the burden of her carrying him now and moving on to a more carefree life. Not all moms are good ones. Nito, I've been lurking on your channel since the Thomas Brown case. You never gave your theory, although I asked many times. Can you tell me anything you know of as updates your theory? Because the PI demonstration at that gym was a... uh, I can't say that word, Nito. I'm going to talk about Tom Brown. There is news, so I'm going to talk about it before we are done tonight. So, Nito, you're just going to have to wait. But, yes. Um, You probably got injured... Ferry says uh, Ryan probably got injured and is deceased. Yeah. Very sad. Very, very sad. And surely the school deserves to suffer for it. Surely. Um, but I just don't think you need to declare him deceased, deceased to do that. Um, yeah. Okay. Let's move on to something else. Uh, maybe I, I want to talk about this because you know I'm not going to read this entire story, but uh, as you probably know, um, let me get something for a second. Hold here. Twinkle, I'm, I'm going to uh, do this right now. Not that thing. Not that one. Here we go. All right. And yes, I am wearing sweatpants here uh, while I'm doing the show tonight. Um, I got my business cards this past week, and I need to thank Twinkle for facilitating uh, the whole thing. Twinkle, I cannot thank you enough, and I am going to be sending you some. But these are them, and the reason I, you'll see why I am bringing this up in, in a moment. Uh, let me bring the light over here so you can see it. Um, Unfound Missing Persons Podcast here. You can see what it says right here on the front. There you go. And on the back, what does it say? Edward Denzel, host, missing persons expert. Of course, I did not put my phone number on here. Because really, that's not kind of the work that I do. You know, hand it out. Call me. I'll give you some stock quotes or something. That's not what I do. But these are the business cards. I got them, um, I don't know, one day last week. 
The reason I'm showing this to you right now is because of what it says once again on the back, missing persons expert. And I do call myself that. I think I've gotten to the point where I can do that. I've spoken at schools. I've testified in a a trial twice. You know, we've certainly broken some news uh, on Unfound regarding missing persons cases, being like Tom Brown, for example. And, uh, you know, nobody has studied. I know a lot of other podcasts and places have really covered a lot of disappearances over the, like, the last six and a half years. I don't know if there's anybody out there that studies them like I do. So, having said all that, you know, last week, a week ago, I talked about the disappearance of Nicola Boley. Uh, this is from England. She went missing. Uh, her dog or dogs were found tied up or something. And there's a river there. And everybody's wondering, where did Nicola go? Well, very sadly, she has been found uh, deceased in the river. And if you'll remember a week ago, I even stated that, well, they did these water searches. And I was like, yeah, but it's a river. It's not a lake. If she went into the river for whatever reason, pushed in, thrown in, was going for a swim and drowned or something, whatever, she's not going to be right there. She's going to be way downstream. I said that a week ago. So, and she's been found. She's been identified. They did find her about a mile down river and under like uh, up against the bank. And she was found by accident. Very sad. And um, I think she was you that told me or somebody told me that, um, you know, they they did a welfare check on her at one time. It seems like Nicola uh, was going through some stuff. I think we, you know, once again, disappearances are about people. Disappearances are not necessarily about circumstances. Circumstances lead us in a direction on how to solve it. But disappearances are about people. What are, what's going on in their lives before the day of the disappearance? Um, so, having said all that, this is an article. This is before she was found in the river. An expert, quote-unquote, has suggested that the mother of two, Nicola Bully, could have gone off the grid as the search for her continues. 45-year-old Nicola disappeared after she dropped her two daughters off at school on January 27th in St. Michael's on Wire in Lancashire. Me as a stupid American, I know I'm mispronouncing this stuff. Later on her phone, on her phone was then found on a bench still logged into a work call on Microsoft Teams. Her dog Willow was also found wandering along bone dry and agitated. I don't know. Lancashire police have said their main working hypothesis is that Nicola fell into the river during a 10-minute window. The force have come under fire in recent days as they made Ms. Bully struggles with, I'm not going to get into the, an alcohol public, they made things about her uh, private stuff public. Despite that, despite that, missing persons expert, <clears throat> Charlie Hedges, who has previously worked for the National Crime Agency and various UK police forces, has said that he believes there's no indication that she is in the river. He told GB News the river was the most important thing to check out, 
That's been thoroughly searched with no outcome and no indication that she's there. Whereas what did I say just a week ago? Searching the river at the location that she went into it is useless. You might have to, you know, search in British terms, a kilometer down the river, a couple kilometers down the river, five kilometers down the river. And if you haven't done that, then it doesn't mean anything that you search a river right where her dog was found and where her phone was found. That is useless. This is not a lake. It's a river. Somehow this guy who they're calling, I guess, a missing persons expert. Well, there's no indication that she's there. Yeah, except for the river being there. Now, I'm certainly, when I talked about this last week, I'm certainly open, and Shri will even, you know, attest, because she and I have texted about this back and forth a little bit, certainly open to the idea that was she walking along, you know, it, it said that she did this walk every day at the same time and everything is, could it be that somebody was stalking her and knew where she was going to be at that time? Sure. Could it be that some ex-boyfriend, uh, she was arranging to meet some ex-boyfriend and something happened? Sure. Some certainly possible, but you can't ignore that the river is right there. This is like when we go back to like Ben Archer or Jake Lachalet, some others that, uh, um, you know, other disappearances that we've covered. It's certainly possible that something not involving the river occurred. Certainly possible, but you can't deny that the river is there and it needs to be searched in a way that rivers get searched. And it's not by just going out into the river a hundred yards this way and a hundred yards that way and say, oh, we can't find her. So in addition to that, this guy says, well, you know, she could have gone off the grid. It happens. I guess Robert uh, Toglin, uh, that guy from Massachusetts who went missing and sex successfully did so for what was it? Seven, eight years. And he would still be missing if he hadn't died prematurely, it sounds like, from a heart attack or something. Would still be wondering, or Robert Hoagland, not Togland, Robert Hoagland, um, would still be wondering what happened to him. So it happens. But do we really think that a woman who's going to go off the grid, going to change her name to Jane Doe and move to Scotland or Wales or something like that, is just going to leave her dog running around in a park all by itself. Do we really think that? But this passes for expert commentary, at least in England now. And we all wonder why disappearances don't get solved quicker. Uh, then the, the expert <clears throat> continued... Nobody goes missing without a reason. And understanding what's going on in someone's life is very important. I do agree with that. It may be that she took the decision to go off, but it's not very easy to go off the grid. Into, so he's still banging on the off the grid part of this. I, I, for the life of me, for the life of me, I do not know why people so quickly default to theories that have such a low percentage of being true. It's one of the things, one of the most fascinating things, six and a half years into this podcast, I do not know why people do that. You want to have your own theory? I get it. 
Everybody's entitled to their own thirds. I don't know why people default to those. Sometimes I think they do it just so it can continue to be interesting in their own mind, which is a little pathetic. Off-grid, the only reason, you know, I've we've covered at least a couple disappearances where I think it's possible, but certainly those disappearances were nothing like hers. I think like Trevor Nichols in the army, getting transferred, and something happens. Of course, we know, unfortunately, very sadly, that a lot of military members suffer from PTSD, and that causes them to make decisions that don't seem logical to the rest to us who, who aren't in the military, who don't have PTSD or ailments like it. But certainly, like in Trevor Nichols, I could be totally, I'm totally open to that idea. Maybe there are a few others that some of you can think of, but surely they're nothing, nothing like this. And I want you to know when it comes to that decision and really putting it out there, I think this person might have just left his life for whatever reason or her life. I really go through a lot before I ever get to that. Because once again, because it's such a low, low percentage. And we know, I'll, and going back to that Robert Hoagland, he chose to do that. But now that we know that he did it, we now know why he was successful. And it wasn't all because of him. The reason he was successful for six or seven years is because a lot of, other, a lot of people who were around him just looked the other way. They were cutting corners. Well, you know, he didn't have the right ID, and but he was such a nice guy, and he was really nebulous about his background, and he wanted, always wanted to pay cash. There were a lot of people around Robert Hoagland who were just, you know, letting things be, mainly just because he was a nice guy. Had he been around somebody who was a little more, you know, curious, doesn't even have to know, the person doesn't even have to know that somebody went missing an hour away, some guy like Robert Hoagland went but just starts to hear these things and maybe things don't add up, then Robert Hoagland would have been exposed probably fairly quickly. It just happened to be, he was around a bunch of people who weren't just weren't, they were just going about their own business and cutting corners here and there. So this is why I wanted to, it's very sad. I, I feel horrible for this woman's family. Um, but we don't need more missing persons experts like this guy. Had Nicola's family come to me, here's what I would have told them. I would have said, certainly open to the idea that she could have been abducted. If you're telling me she was went on this walk every day with her dog, this location, same time, this certainly could have set her up for being stalked by somebody, especially if somebody's going to know where she's going to be at a certain time. That is how these things work. On the other hand, I can't deny that she went missing right next to a river. And she was last seen here. And her dog's there. And her phone's there. Her phone's not on the ground. It's actually placed on a bench. It's not shattered into a million pieces. It's on the bench. In fact, it was still on. It was still in the application that she was using. And so that would mean to me that this probably was not an ab abduction. It lowers the percentage. It doesn't make it zero. 
But we know what abductions look like. We know when we look at a disappearance like Jody Husentrude. She got abducted. Everything was strewn all over that parking lot of her apartment complex. That is not what the scene uh, looked like for Nicola. So that's what I would have told her family. I think first and foremost, because not necessarily it's it's easier than anything else. You got to get people to go into the river and look way down river, and you know, and really looking at, at the banks of the river. That's where you start. And if you go down several miles or kilometers and you really don't find anything, then I guess the abduction theory starts to get, you know, starts to bump up in the percentage percentages. But still, I'm probably going to default that she went into the river for some reason. And now that we know about alcohol issues and some other things, that even makes it more probable that she caused this all on her own. And this is not a candidate who would be going off the grid because going off the grid is not going to cure the problems that Nicola was having with her life. So very sad, but I cannot say, you know, Sheree and I were talking about this. I think Sheree was a little more um, surprised uh, by the result of this disappearance that I was. Um, But it's very sad. Um, Let's see. Um, um, okay, 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 needle. Um, Twinkle says you're really good with understanding water because of what you have taught us. My mind automatically goes to the water before anything else. Um, did they ever say why or who asked for the welfare check? Really don't know. The family called there. Sheree's been uh, keeping up on this. I think Sheree has done a deep dive, deep dive on this. So everybody should be reading what she's writing. Two weeks before her disappearance, you don't have to uh, apologize, Karen. The real one, all this bickering was playing out in the media. I was thinking, well, someone is going to be super embarrassed at the end of this. Yeah, kind of the real. For sure, but the river was so shallow and stagnant, it didn't seem like a good possibility. Definitely a better choice than going off the grid, though. Yeah, Shereen, maybe we might have to go back and look at what the weather was for that day. Uh, you know, to really get a, you know, slow and stagnant. Um, maybe it wasn't, maybe they had a big rain or something. I, I don't know. But, you know, I, I guess we may be open to the idea that she like walked down the river for a ways before, in you know, just, I don't know how far she was found downstream. One kilometer for all of you Americans is like two thirds of a mile, let's say. You know, I I, I really don't know. So, needle part uh, needle says getting one of those biz cards signed by you to me would be so awesome. Well, if you email me, maybe we can make that happen, needle. Um, uh, needle says I'm surprised you don't give out your theories or allow them. I know so many people would have discussions, hopefully intelligent ones. There definitely will be trolls, but you can't avoid them. Um, the reason needle, I don't do that is because I want people to think independently. That's why. And in my opinion, when I start, it's amazing. It's just like, it's just not in true crime, but it's, it's anything. When it's amazing when people follow a certain host or follow a certain actor 
follow a certain singer and they really respect that person and and you know and then the person voices their opinion on something it's amazing then how i think a lot of the followers then start to think the whole, same thing me i just want everybody to think independently and i'm not trying to to push anybody one way or the other all right i i know that it might generate more discussion you people can discuss it amongst yourselves um yeah, same reason people like scary movies and thrill-seeking activities. Rockford, I was dead wrong about this. I liked her husband for this. He seemed a bit off to me. My business card will have to say missing persons novice. Well, we were all novice at one thing or another at one time, Rockford. Shree, I was too. I was wrong too. I would have bet money that she was not in the water. I also didn't think it was her partner. I thought she left. Yes, her children, her dog too, seen, seen it happen. It does happen, Rockford. I was researching a case and found a Reddit thread about missing folks who likely left voluntary. voluntarily. A commenter said he was sure Hoagland did this. The thread is four years old. Yeah, um, I knew about Robert Hoagland's disappearance. I knew about his son and the computers and the drugs and everything. I don't remember ever having a very you know um, solid theory on it. Uh, do you give opinions on Patreon? I do, Donna, but it's behind the paywall. But it is in the context of education. Uh, Lara. Lara's here. La- Hello, Lara. What's going on? Loving the new Birch Star. Okay, Lara, thank you. I was going to bring that up eventually. But yes, um, we do have a merch store. Twinkle, uh, you see her in the group. She is running it. If you're running who, who the person... Uh, that is um, the person that I finally had a discussion with regarding all of this. Uh, that is Twinkle. And we talked about it. She did all the legwork. Uh, I was just, well, you tell me where to sign. You tell me what I have to pay. <laughs> and she came up with some of the designs and the choices for the items that are uh, presented. She has a, 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 a you know, very uh, experienced background in this type of stuff. So I could not be more pleased that we're finally getting this going. It's just in the very, 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 very early stages. Um, I have some things to do regarding um, some marketing and things here on YouTube and elsewhere regarding all of it, but at least it is up and running. It's in a new place. We're starting from scratch. And uh, like I said, like anything else can take a little time, I think to get it up and running, but yes, um, and Twinkle, if you want to type the address for the store where everybody can go, uh, right there in the chat, uh, please do that. I would appreciate it. Uh, but yes, that is up and running now. And please, uh, if you have any suggestions for things that it should be in the merchandise store, let me know at unfoundpodcast.gmail.com. And please go check everything out, and you can see what we are now doing there. Uh, I, don't, I think the store is not even a week old yet. But it's, it was a goal that I, I wanted to get done in 2023. And like I said, Twinkle's done most of the work. And I appreciate that, Twinkle. Uh, but um, I think that that was what it was going to take. I think it was going to take somebody – with uh, some really good experience in this area who I trust 
uh, who we could throw around ideas and things uh, to finally make it happen again. Hopefully this time much better than the first time. All right. So uh, going back, uh, let's talk about Bowman. Let's go back to Bowman for a little bit. I did not talk about the poll that, uh, of course, we put I put in the discussion group uh, every week. And so I asked, the, did, of course, now that she is deceased, did Joe Good know what happened to Bowman? Being that it was her address in the Uber app, did she know? Discussion group, <coughs> not overwhelmingly, but a considerable percentage said that Joe Good did not know what happened to Bowman. The think tank, almost a total consensus that she also did not know. I'll have you also know that for me in the blog that I write every week at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast needle, you are asking me about my own opinions. I do write them there, but under the context of education, how to look at things. And then right at the end, I offer up my theory, but you know, the uh, blogs are at least always 3,000 words long. Pretty much the first 22,750 words are education. And it's only like in the last 250 words where I talk about my theory. That's all, of all the writing I do, my theory comes in right at the end. So you got to earn it. <laughs> you want to see what I think, you got to earn it. <laughs> but um, that's my plan on, and you, you just can't do that. In public, you know, it's all sound bites. It's all, you know, thumbs and everything else. And I've, you know, I've even, uh, you know, Shri and I even had this conversation recently. I love talking to people uh, about unsolved mysteries out there that Unfound hasn't covered or never covered. For example, unsolved murders. We're never going to do those. We're never going to do those. But for me... Being that the way my mind works, I'm not a very good soundbite guy. I have funny sayings and everything, but when it comes to explain my thinking, my reasoning, it takes usually a lot of words to do that. And so I'm not very good with the thumbs and, you know, having, um, you know, quick back and forths with people about talking about theories and everything else, even in Patreon, I have people who, uh, like Rockford uh, recently, you know, he and I uh, got into a discussion uh, about a recent disappearance uh, over on Patreon, as he is a Patreon supporter, and I thank that. Thank you very much, Rockford. But, you know, we have these long paragraphs and everything, and, um, you know, I like doing it that way. But, you know, but, you know, when it comes to just short sentences and everything... <laughs> <coughs> Allergies. Um, I, I find that sometimes a little frustrating. So that's just the way I communicate. And even if you were to go back to uh, the Web Sleuth days, if you were to go back and find posts before Unfound was a, a glimmer in my eye, you would see that most of my posts on Web Sleuths are pretty long. So just how I work. So once again, um, Bowman, 
large percentage of the audience does not believe that Joe Good had anything to do with it. And and I think that's I actually am quite heartened by that because my guess is, of course, until Bo's disappearance is solved, I'm sure there are going to be other <coughs> podcasts and YouTube channels and everything. And um, you know, they're gonna cover his disappearance. There's a lot to talk about. But my guess is probably those other shows are really, 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 really going to play up the Joe Good angle. That it just has to be that she knows something or she didn't know something because it was her address on the Uber app. And I'm so heartened that Unfound's listeners are learning that, you know, some things just aren't as straightforward as they seem sometimes. And you really have to think through it all and sometimes be counterintuitive. So I really, I have to say, I really, really like the results of this particular poll. So, but I do have to say uh, in the think tank at patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast um, that in the think tank last night, last night, more people than I would know how many we have in there, eight or nine people last night. Um, it's a very small group because we like to keep it small because then everybody gets to talk and type and, you know, we get as many people we have here, like for a live show or something, then the, you know, having a, a real discussion about something can get a little laborious, but more people than I would have thought think that Bo's disappearance has to do with the business that he was in with sober grid, that it had something to do with people he was doing business with. Way more uh, than I would have thought. And um, even after uh, the think tank was over, one of the think tank members <laughs> contacted me on Messenger and we had an additional conversation about it. So that also really re- surprised me. It's not number one theory in my book, but they made a convincing argument. So there you go. Uh, Rockford, Patreon member here. The blog and the think tank are fantastic. Well worth the price of admission. Hope we get a lot more folks aboard to Rockford. Thank you. See everybody? And Rockford is not getting paid to type that. All right. So please, patreon.com. There is a member right there, Rockford Oaks, in the chat tonight. Um, And he's talking up the benefits of being a Patreon member. You should take him seriously. Valerie, hi, Ed. I had a health scare, but everything is okay. I missed the last two lives. Well, Valerie, what is going on with you? I'm, um, uh, you don't have to not re- reveal your health issues here, but okay. The real, they say things like that just because it gives them something to say. You know? And Kathy, uh, yeah, Deborah is thinking a possible relapse, right? Yeah, okay with Bowman, okay. Yep, the real says they say things like that just because it gives them something to say. Right. Okay. All right. So we did the moment. We talked about the merchandise. And once again, um, Twinkle, uh, if you could type in the uh, link in here in the chat, that would be good. So I showed you the business cards. And let me now go to a question. I got two questions. I think I'm just going to take them in order so I don't forget to do at least one of them before the end of the show. <clears throat> First one is a, a music question. The second one is a, uh, a podcasting question. 
uh, from Kate, and this came through Messenger, and I don't think that she uh, knew that I would make this a a live show question, but I decided to because it's my show. Kate, Ed, do you like gangster rap? I feel like it's a thing with our age group, and I do not know how old Kate is. Uh, As all of you know, I'm 52. Is she that old? I don't know. Do I like gangster rap? Um, going, growing up in the 1980s, uh, especially toward the end of the eighties, you know, it was somewhat unavoidable. I don't dislike it. Um, there are certainly some public enemy tunes that, um, you know, public enemy number one. Welcome to the Terror Dome. Some of those, they're good. NWA, they're okay too, but as all of you know, that's really not my thing. Once in a while, maybe if I'm in a particular mood or something, maybe. But really when it comes to that genre of music, maybe not gangster rap, but hip-hop, and when it used to be called rap and all of that, I have to tell you, I'm more of like uh, a Beastie Boys guy. Um, Like, then really going back, like the Sugar Hill Gang, um, Grandmaster Flash, Curtis Blow. That's more in the direction that I like, for example, I love, um, the, the rap song called the message by grandmaster flash. Uh, it's just so good. Gotta wonder how I keep from going under that, that tune. Um, rappers delight, I think is fantastic, but you know, when it comes to gangster rap and everything, you know, I don't know. Um, what else do I like? I like LL Cool J. Um, I can remember having that cassette back in about 19 radio. The first like one that made national, uh, you know, went national here in the United States. It was just called radio LL Cool J radio. Um, I had that cassette and, you know, you know, of course he's like an actor now and everything. And, you know, I think he's a good guy and all of that. But it's really not, not even my, you know, my close to my number one favorite genre of music. But uh, she also asked me, well, what about Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls? And as I told her, you know, that was really after my formative years. Um, I was born in 1970. Um, By the time Tupac Shakur and Biggie Smalls became like a big thing that was like the mid nineties. And I know there probably were people in their mid twenties that heard that music and, you know, were suddenly like, Oh yeah, this music's great for me. The kind of music that I was going to like for the rest of my life was already ingrained in me. (laughs) I think you know that. Uh, Although maybe my music just changed a little bit. I, I tell the story about how, um, you know, I never listened to Megadeth. 
when when they you know when came out eighty five to ninety two ninety three. I never really got into Megadeth until I was in my forties. Same way with Iron Maiden. I can remember a college classmate, Mike Martin, lived down the well for one year, lived down the hall from me, and then the next year lived on the floor above me. But good guy from Erie. He was a huge Iron Maiden fan, had posters all over his dorm room. And I was like, you listen to that? Now, here at 52, they're my favorite band, and I even have a blanket on my bed that's an Iron Maiden blanket. So, you know. But by the time Biggie Smalls and Tupac Shakur got popular, I think, you know, pretty much my style of music was already ingrained in my head. It was going to be guitars, screaming guitars. It was going to be, you know, voices that wail. It was going to be guitar solos. It was going to be drum solos. It was going to be out, you know, outrageous stage spectacles and all of that stuff and the hair. And it was already ingrained. Now I did get away from it for a while. Like kind of when I went to Vegas for a while, but it it came back. (laughs) So that's my answer to that question, Kate, if you are out there. Um, what's everybody saying here? Uh, the uh, Mark, I think there's a possibility that Bo and Joe were at least acquaintances. Okay. And they even lived fairly close, to ge- uh, close together. I think, unfortunately, he just relapsed. He certainly knew where Skid Row was. I cannot be denied that he was there that day. That's true. Uh, Kathy agrees with Deborah. Hello, Penny. Uh, I think I have your question up next, Penny. Uh, gotta love Snoop Dogg. I guess. Once again, uh, Gin and Juice. I know those songs, and those kind of were earlier, like you know, early '90s. And I'm familiar with that music, but maybe once in a while I'll go to it. But and Coolio, that's funny. Little Wayne, not really. You know, once again, a little late for me. Uh, Rockford, Mark, I agree it's possible. There are indirect social media connections between the two. There's a plausible, innocent reason he could have been in Skid Row. Yeah, certainly. Uh, Gangster's Paradise by Coolio, Twinkle. Okay, Twinkle. Uh, Rockford, Kathy and Deborah. yeah, relapse has to be on the table too. Can't rule that out with Bo. The backpack fumble at the 7-Eleven and the probably accidental Uber 911 text are at least suggestive of that. Mark, I agree his business gave him plenty of reasons to be in Skid Row. I just think he was under extreme stress. Okay, empty. I appreciated the Sebastian Bach reference in the Bowman map analysis video. Look at you. MT heard it. Thank you for bringing that up, MT. Um, now, the funny thing, MT, is that there was a British band, band also known as Skid Row. Going back, I think, to the 1970s. Pretty sure. Laura, I know rap may not be your thing, but I remember you said you like some of our being songs. I know you said you like Chaka Khan. Yeah, absolutely. Chaka Khan, that ain't nobody. That's a fantastic song. Thank you for bringing that up, Laura. Fantastic song. And you know, I'm a huge Prince fan too. Prince is certainly in my top 10 musicians of all time. In fact, I've called him like the Mozart of this generation. He could just do anything. Just fantastic. Rockford, I'm about your age, Ed, and I've been a Maiden fan since the 80s. Most definitely not hair metal. Like Metallic and ACDs, it's a step way above that label. I have to admit, I, I like 
my hair metal, even though it's, I know that's a pejorative, but um, Def Leppard, not a big poison guy, but White Snake and Great White back in the day and Dawkins and stuff, just the musicianship as a musician myself, the musicianship. I know people just think of the looks, but the musicianship is off the charts. I mean, the way Don Dawkins and Jeff Tate from Queensryche and those guys could sing and still kind of some of them can, not all of them. But now the musicianship and everything is just so fantastic. Just crazy. Um, Fairy Man, my vote is he was looking to score some drugs. Okay, very with Bo Man. I know that's going to be a popular choice. The other question uh, that I got, of course, I could talk music all night. Penny, and I did tell you I'm taking voice lessons online, by the way, this year. Penny, being a professional podcaster, thank you, Penny, you've exhibited the keen ability, this is funny, to suppress your frustrations, mainly in relation to the interviewing potential guests. What techniques have you learned to use in order to keep the show going? And keeping your feelings in check. Um, let me read that again. Being a, you've you've exhibited the keen ability to suppress your frustrations, mainly in relation to interviewing potential guests. What techniques have you learned to use in order to keep the show go show going and keeping your feelings in check? Uh, first of all, I realize that the guests don't care about my feelings. All right, as I've said more than once, uh, that, um, you know, they're talking to me not because they uh, need a shoulder to cry on, okay? And I'm not here to offer that. I'm here to offer uh, the ability for them to talk for, you know, a couple hours, giving all the details that they want to give about their missing loved one's disappearance. That's what I provide. And all I do is get to the point where I know the material well enough to ask the right questions, create an outline to guide the conversation in a way that's understandable to all of you. And along the way, given that all this stuff's going into my head, I've become a missing persons expert just because also because it kind of just goes along with the way that my brain works. Um, I'm not saying the way that I go about my business of interviewing and everything would work for everybody. And I'm sure that if there are many, many people who would want to do this, then probably get too caught up in the emotional side and um, maybe get burnt out because of that. So, um, I'm just, you know, this isn't, this isn't uh, what we're doing. We're not doing entertainment here. We're trying to find solutions. I'm not so sure how many other true crime productions out there are trying to do that. In fact, I'm convinced there are many out there that want the mysteries to continue just so they have things to talk about. I'm convinced of that. That is not me. I wish every single one of the disappearances that exist in the world was solved today. I would gladly go do something else. I'll find something else to do. I don't need all these mysteries to exist 
to, uh, you know, you know, for me, let's say, so I can have this podcast and do this live show and everything else. If they would all go away, you know, some miracle, whatever belief system you have, God, karma, Buddha, whatever. Well, however that would happen, I would be totally fine with it. I'm not sure others, I think some people, too many of them need that stuff in their lives. So they have stuff to talk about. People, sometimes, too, you know, too many people need drama. So they have something to talk about, probably because they want to just keep their minds off their own lives, whatever's going on. That is not me. So that's how, what techniques have I learned? I don't know if it's techniques. I mean, I've learned techniques regarding interviewing. I'm certainly a better interviewer now than I was at the beginning. Um, but uh, I think it's very important to be able to do this every week and because all you're, all you're talking about are problems, bad, bad problems that you got to keep your emotions out of it. You know, just have to. Um, Mark and Indy says, here I go again. Still one of my favorite songs. Well, uh, you're not taking much of a leap on that one, Mark. But uh, yeah, it was very, very popular. Uh, Rock, we're going to see Jimmy Kank, Jerry Allison Chains, play solo at a really small venue tomorrow night. Love the grunge as well as the metal. Metal. Um, my nephew Charlie loves that Rockford. Rockford, his latest album is excellent. You know, I was, you know, when it comes, getting back to the music thing, I knew as soon as it comes up, it's going to continue to be a topic probably for the rest of the show. Um, you know, I was into the grunge stuff for a while. I had Nirvana's Nevermind uh, CD. I had, um, uh, Pearl Jam's 10. I had Alice in Chains' Dirt. In fact, I know I still have the CDs. They're over in my storage slash closet area right over there. Uh, I know I still have those CDs. Those CDs are like 30 years old. The problem I had with grunge is, man, man, the, you listen to it over and over, man. It can get you down. You know, it's not the kind of music you want to listen to to kind of pick you up. And when it comes to the music that I like, this is probably the reason, them, for example, even though Black Sabbath is a heavy metal band, not the hugest fan of them because that's, <clears throat> the music's a little dark. It's the same reason that I maybe can't get into Slayer and, and some of these groups as well i need my music to you know pump me up and it just got to the point with grunge where i was like man this music is kind of a downer you know this is the reason for example like when it comes to van halen i'm more of a dlr fan than a sammy hager era fan um Van Halen with Sammy Hagar start getting into serious topics and everything else and you're perfectly entitled to do that and those albums were popular too. But when it comes to music for me, it's when it pumped me up and wants to make me happy and all this stuff. Uh, David Lee Roth with Van Halen does it more for me than Sammy Hagar does, even though I know Sammy Hagar is a better singer. So, um, 
Penny says in relation uh, to that was her question, by the way, Penny preparation point of view and your general disposition meld together. I would say that's true. Penny marketing for a guy that primarily listens to country anymore. I have a white snake tune is one of my all time favorites. I think it is a bit of a leap. Yeah. I, I can't do country music, Mark. I can't do it. Rockford. You sound like Noah Gallagher. He has the very same opinion of grunge and pulls no punches as you would expect. Yeah, well, uh, somebody needs to tell Noel uh, Gallagher that Ed Denzel isn't a fan of him and his music either. Valerie, uh, it's okay. My doctor said my blood work was off. I may have a seizure, some levels so low, but we figured it. Okay, Valerie. Valerie revealing health, her health on the chat tonight. Rockford, have you checked it? Wolfgang Van Halen's album, surprisingly strong. He's opening for Mentalis Summer. I'm on, that's on my list of things to do, Rockford. Has not done it. Okay, so let's get back to some true crime stuff. So we've done, um, I want to talk about Madeline McCann. There's this woman who, a young woman who's come forward, a Polish young woman, and uh, I'm not going to say her name because I don't want to give her any, I mean, it's out there and you can find it, and I'm not going to give her uh, this kind of publicity or anything else. You're going to go look it up for yourselves anyway, but. She has come forward to say that she believes that she is the missing little girl, Madeline McCann. We know Madeline McCann. Um, parents from England. Would they go down to Spain? I didn't write all that, but they went to Spain or Portugal and they were out. They left McCann, Madeline uh, in the room, allegedly, and she went missing. And even though stories have popped up over the years, they're looking at this guy, they're looking at that guy. Did she get shuttled off? Did she get trafficked? Did she get stolen? Was she sex trafficked? Did somebody adopt her? Did somebody want a baby or a little child and just take her? And a lot of names have popped up. And there's, the, I guess, this German guy who's, you know, maybe back in 2020, his name popped up. But I still, I mean, he's been charged with other things, but nothing regarding Madeline's uh, disappearance. Of course, a lot of people are still suspicious of the parents themselves. I think, I don't know if factually that makes sense, but certainly theoretically it makes sense. But this Polish young woman is coming forward to say that she believes that uh, she is Madeline McCann and she's given all these reasons for it. And that, um, that of course, they're going to do a blood test and we'll see how quickly that can all be determined through DNA. Here's the reason I don't think that she is Madeline McCann. Um, I, you know, I may be proven to be wrong a couple weeks from now, but you know the reason I don't think that she's Madeline McCann because the first thing she did was she started a a TikTok or Instagram account that with the title "I am Madeline McCann." That's how why I think I know that this isn't Madeline McCann. Is it not obvious to everybody that this young woman is just looking for attention? She may, and it very well may be from a plan. She's just some publicity hound or something. Uh, We know that's very popular these days. You know, people don't want to get, you know, everybody wants to be an Instagram influencer these days. Right? Don't want to go flip burgers when I'm 19 years old, but dang it, I'm going to be an Instagram influencer. 
you know, maybe maybe it's just I'm becoming old guy now, complaining about the younger generations. Maybe that's maybe that's what I've become. But when a woman, why? Here's the question: Why couldn't she do this privately? She wakes up one day. I think of Madeline McCann. I'm thinking about this. I'm thinking about my childhood. Really, you know, is there some memory I have of being in a bed and and getting picked up by somebody and whisked away? Could she not have done this all privately? Because if she really is Madeline McCann, Madeline McCann, if she really wants that publicity, she's going to get it eventually anyway. She finds the McCann, some way to contact them. She tells her them her name. You know, check me out. Here's why I think that I could be your daughter. You know, I'm willing. Can we just, you know, we'll just keep this on the down low. I'll do anything you want to do. You want me to take a blood test? We'll get it checked out. I may be totally wrong. If I'm wrong, I really deeply, deeply apologize. But I can't deny some of the things I'm thinking about my past. All of that could have been done secretively and the public would have never known. And then one day, somewhere down the road, if the blood test was done, it is Madeline, then they could have appeared. They could have gone on every, every talk show in, in the world because everybody knows, every, all seven continents, including Antarctica, everybody knows about the disappearance of Madeline McCann. And that's would have been the proper way to do it. Instead, she's already getting a TikTok or Instagram account claiming I am Madeline McCann. That's how I know she is not Madeline McCann. We got, you know, um, and uh, the real says, oh, Crakey, really? Yes, Crakey, there is that Australian coming out and you the real. The real, well, if she's Madeline McCann, then I'm the queen of Sheba. <laughs> uh, and as a Shri uh, makes probably the most obvious point, uh, most relevant point, I should say, she doesn't even look like Madeline. Char- uh, Charlie Bravo, if you really went through the trauma like that, you would have probably done it privately. Yeah. Rockford says, this is Geraldo and the vault territory. I actually watched that back in the 80s, Rockford. I did watch that show when that all went down. Was that, is that pathetic that I admit that or what? That's how I know that this isn't Madeline McCann. It seems to me, uh, reading about her, looking at pictures and things, it seems to me that this young woman has a lot of emotional things going on. I feel horrible for her, for her. But, <laughs> there's a lot of dots in there, and then but. Um, when you start getting into the public sphere, claiming something like this, and wanting attention for it, and doing things on purpose to get attention, then I start to have less and less compassion for whatever you've gone through in your life. You could have done this privately, and that would have been the ethical, moral, I don't know, legality of it. It's certainly legal, but I don't know if that's a factor. But it's certainly ethical and moral to do it the way in which you do it behind the scenes. Nobody has to know. And if it turns out that she is Madeline, then it will all come out. Everybody will benefit. 
And then they might even catch who actually took her. <laughs> but before she's even given a DNA test, she, <laughs> she already has at I am Madeline McCann. It, 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 I, I don't know where I don't know where our world culture is going regarding all of the social media, uh, social media and the, what it's about 20 years old. Start going back to the MySpace days and whatever else. And now we're in Facebook and I'm convinced sometime, probably very soon, Facebook is going to get replaced by something else. And Google will get, this is just how these things are. <coughs> Remember there used to be vine. It doesn't exist anymore. Who knows what's going to happen with Twitter and everything else. But we're only 20 years into this thing, and already it's crazy. I mean, I, I would like to think that I use Facebook for its proper use, getting the word out about missing persons cases. If you follow my private um, account uh, there, my personal account, I should say it's not private, but personal account on there, I just try to keep things light. I joke about myself and, and everything. But... The social media stuff otherwise is just <coughs> it's crazy. And I, I think I'm saying that not as a 15 year old, but just as a human, because it does uh unfortunately it exacerbates, you know, and gives us people like this young woman here. So um I don't think it's Madeline McCann. Uh, Madeline had a very distinctive ma marking in one eye. Well, you know, it very well may be that this girl does too, um, the real. But it, it, it certainly had a very distinctive marking. But we have to remember there's like almost 8 billion people. So probably a lot of girls have that. And it very we can't rule out the idea of the real that she looked – in the mirror one day noticed that and then said, you know what? I think I can get attention for pretending to be Madeline McCann. We can't rule that out. Look how big America online was back in the day. Oh, American online. Yeah. Look how big, of course, you two Yahoo it, it still exists, but it's a shadow of its former self. America online. I had that messenger. I had AOL chat going back 17 years ago. I can even remember where I was living. When I had it in Las Vegas, things change. Sure, the girl claims she does too, the real, but the eye shape, nose, and lips are not all the same. One in 10,000 births. So that's when you get to 8 billion people, that's quite a few people, even one in 10,000. Uh, <coughs> the real, uh, bingo, that would have been it. Rockford, yeah, I don't get this thing people throw out there about Amazon Alphabet and Facebook taking over the world. Well, that's. Yeah, they tell that to Sears, IBM, and Xerox. I'm with you, Rockford. I think it's all overblown. I do. Moving on, uh, if you'll remember last week, I told you about this author who was in Wyoming, got into a car chase, eventually got stopped, and she was supposed to appear in court. Well, they couldn't find her. Uh, this is also a woman who uh, tried to copyright the uh, word cocky. Remember me talking about this a week ago? And it was because in the these books that she's written, she has these characters called, I guess, the Cocker Brothers. 
And I stated last week that this all feels to me. Now she went missing. They're trying to find her. Did something happen to her? Did she get murdered? Just, and I said a week ago, you know what? This kind of feels like a publicity stunt or something. Well, what do you know? Although I do not think that she is in custody yet. We now know what she did was she left Wyoming and she is now in Hawaii. What they found out she did is she ditched her phone. And she got a new phone with a new number. And went to Hawaii and somehow they were able to figure that out. And now she with the new phone are pinging in Hawaii. So I'm going to stick by what I said a week ago. I think that that dry, I think the chase and everything was just a way to get her name into the news. And then on top of that, she goes missing. Once again, it keeps her name in the news. And now she's going to be in Hawaii and they're going to have to go look for her there. And she's going to have, uh, she's probably creating a, a novel out of it as we speak. This is what people do for attention. I was just got finished talking about uh, this girl who thinks she's Madeline McCann. This is what people do for attention these days. And the problem we have is too many people go along with it. Too many people eat this stuff up. Of course, I would say that it all started with the TV show Survivor, but that's me. Well, you know, well before Facebook and MySpace and everything else. But so that missing author, I didn't even write her name down here. She doesn't get any more. She doesn't need any more attention from me as far as her name goes. But yeah, from last week, she went missing in Wyoming. She's in Hawaii doing something. Uh, she's going to get caught. Maybe uh, they'll go to Hawaii and she'll turn up in Florida or somewhere else. I guess we'll see. Um, Charles says she sounds like a real pain in the neck. That's one way to put it, Charles. She sounds like a real piece of work, but you know, people get desperate. Um, if you are a writer, of course, I've written quite a few books myself. And so I've kind of been there at least a little bit thinking about how do you get attention for this stuff? You know, there's all these people, of course, with Kindles and people being able to write from home. And if you have uh, a program like um, what is the program called? And wouldn't you know that I just I'm going to pull this up for a second. Vellum, if you have a program like Vellum or something like that, you can publish. It's, you know, there's uh, so many people that can so easily publish their own books and get them on Amazon and everything else. And it's just like I stated when digital cameras came out 25 years ago. This is not going to make filmmaking better. It's just going to cause more bad movies to be made. And so that's... You know, that even as a writer and author myself, and I can say that everything I've written is Ernest Hemingway level material. <coughs> but that's really what's happened. That it's easier for people to write, easier for them to get their books and things out to people. It's hard to make a mark, it's hard to um, 
you know, be different and when everybody's doing the same thing. So maybe that was the frustration that she was feeling, but it still does not warrant getting in a police chase with cops and then going missing and everybody's looking for her in Wyoming. And then there she is down there in a, in Hawaii surfing or something. It's just so demented. Um, I still got 18 minutes. I got to talk about this. I'm sure you have heard that there is a lawsuit going on now with Tom Brown's disappearance. I will read the statement to you right now. Let me get it here. Hold on. I have to pull it up on my other computer and... By the way, this is on Klein Investigations uh, letterhead. Nederland, Texas. Thomas Brown, a senior at Canadian High School in Tegain, Texas, was found deceased on Lake Marvin Road on, in Jan- January of 2019. Since the discovery of his body, a small group of citizens and members of the media have promoted a narrative blaming Penny Meek, her husband Chris, and Tom's brother Tucker for covering up a suicide, concealing a death, dumping Tom's body off Lake Marvin Road, and then hiring a private investigator to cover up a crime. The Meeks and Tucker Brown have forcefully denied these allegations and requested a retraction to which they have been ignored. Penny and Chris Meek, Tom's mother and stepfather, and Tucker Brown, Tom's brother, have been accused by the same group of a conspiracy to mislead law enforcement in this case. Further, this group has engaged a shill who is being continually touted as a former state investigator. By the way, you should know this guy... um, who they're talking about has tried to get into the discussion group many, many times. I've denied him. And if he's watching this, you're going to continue to get denied to push the narrative to the public via radio talk show and social media platforms. The Meeks and Brown have endured damages consisting of severe psychological and emotional harm and loss of enjoyment of life by these continuous false and made up accusations. Their lives have been threatened by members of the community, which has created fear for the family and their safety. Whoops. Why did it do that? Um, Okay, it loads up again. Uh, It's not done yet. Three months ago, the Meek family and Tucker Brown retained the law firm of Kilgore and Kilgore PLLC and attorney attorney John Morgan of Dallas. Uh, On Wednesday, February 22nd, 2023, the Meek family will be filing a lawsuit for defamation and other torts against individuals and companies in the North Texas area. This lawsuit will be filed in Hemphill County, Texas. The parties are the plaintiffs, Chris Meek, Penny Meek, and Tucker Brown. The defendants, uh, I'm going to say this guy's name for the first time in quite a while because I usually refer to him as that radio host on that radio show. Chris Samples Broadcasting Incorporated. Chris Samples individually. Michael Crane individually. He's the guy, this uh, shill, uh, their words. Uh, who's been trying to get into the discussion group. I'm not letting him in. USA Investigations, Lubbock, Texas. Anita Webb, Webb individually. Amanda Lehman, also known as uh, Moore. Uh, Amanda Moore. Canadian Record Incorporated. Laurie Brown, individually and as editor of the Canadian Record. And Michelle G- Gomez, individually. So what do I think about all this? Um... First of all, of course, I think this is all crazy. I'm going to continue to say this. I'm not on any side of this. Um, 
maybe you're thinking, Ed, um, you know, did, did you think the, you know, I, I, I've rejected uh, the idea that Penny and her family covered up Tom's suicide or everything. I've rejected that since day one. Okay. Uh, in addition, when it's come to Phil Klein, um, I think I've, you know, made very objective uh, observations regarding that. So in no way do I think that I would ever be sued or, sued or anything else. In fact, because I'm just going to show them live show after live show after live show when I keep saying, you know, all these people, uh, Chris Samples, even though I don't mention his name, I think all these people are crazy. I, what do I what do I say every time this comes up? It must be sweeps sweeps week in the radio business. You know, I've thought this has all been crazy since the very private stuff about Tom came out. Whenever that was, it seems like yesterday, but it's been a couple years now. Now, as far as the black and white law side of this, we have to remember something. The black and white law side of this is defamation is hard to prove. Uh, uh, you know, the questions I have is Penny is a teacher in the Canadian school district. Has she lost her job? Not to my knowledge. Has she tried to get a promotion or something and been denied or something? Not to my knowledge. Um, has anybody come to her and made her fearful for her job or something because of all this? Not to my knowledge. Maybe it has. If so, there might be a case there. Has her husband lost his job? I don't even, I can't even remember what he does. But has he lost any business or anything like that? These are the questions you have to ask when you start talking about defamation. Has Tucker, uh, who's younger, has he been denied a job or school? Um, You know, I don't know what he's doing with his life. But is there any proof in any of their (coughs) lives that they have been financially harmed by this if so then i think there's a case what we have to understand is defamation is more than just about well it hurt my feelings if that was the case then would all be in court all the time suing each other especially these days where everybody uh does seem to get offended fairly easily um so it has to be more than hurt feelings and there's no doubt i don't doubt what is written in there that has this been psychologically harming to them? Yeah, absolutely. But dare I say it, even if all of these people had not been doing all these things, and once again, I think all these people named in there, I'm not saying they deserve to be sued, but I do think that they're way off base and crazy and they're only doing this because it gets them attention. Um, would not Penny and her and her husband and Tucker be psychologically harmed just because Tom is deceased? Does it, I mean, it doesn't get any psychologically worse than that, does it? And they know whether they had anything to do with Tom's uh, death or not. So... You should also know, though, if this was a different country, this would be much more straightforward. Even if this were Canada, probably this would be more of a slam and dunk case for Benny, her husband, and Tucker. 
But in the United States, unlike every other country in the world, we do have freedom of speech. It just works differently here. Uh, the real, you do not have free speech in Australia. I realize you have a free press and everything, but it's just different here. We even know this, even as Americans looking at Canada, that the Canadian idea of free speech and media and everything is much different than in the United States. It's probably one of the big, that and guns, two of the biggest differences between the United States and Canada right there. Even though you go up there, it kind of just feels like United States with kilometers and leaders. You live further for a while, you'd find out. So if this were in Canada, I think this clear, this case would be much more leaning toward Penny and, um, you know, Tom Brown's family's side. Second thing I want to point out about all of this is something that I've been saying for a while. What have I said for like a year and a half now? More and more, Phil Klein sounds less like an investigator and more like the Brown's lawyer or the Meek's Penny's lawyer. And that this came out on Phil Klein letterhead, then I guess shouldn't be a surprise to me. Um, he's not a liar. I do not believe, I think he, of course, I think he has a private investigator. Maybe some of you are going to debate, debate that even private investigator license in Texas, but I do not believe he has a law license in Texas. And so I'm wondering why it's being issued that they're, you know, going, you know, this is being released on Phil Klein letterhead when this is a lawsuit that has nothing to do with him. He's supposed to be figuring out who, allegedly killed Tom Brown, not getting involved in the legal affairs of Penny, her husband, and her son, and trying to sue these people. And on top of everything else, where's Phil Klein in all of this? They've gone after him too. So my third idea regarding all of this is that I would be very surprised if this gets in, inside a courtroom. I, I have to, I, no offense to Penny. Of course, I've not talked to her in a long time. And really, it's because of how close she's gotten to Phil Klein. I just, what am I going to do there? Um, nobody, wants, nobody, wants to be, uh, nobody wants to be under oath for any of this. I don't think. I would think that the, the Penny and her husband and Tucker don't want to be under oath in, you know, in a deposition situation because why? They're going to get asked about the phone because as the AG's office decided way back when, that phone was planted. They said – they just came right out and said it in that recording. I know most of you did not get to listen to that recording, but I did. And they said that the phone was planted. And about the case, do they really want to get into that? And do they really want to be asked, do, do Penny and her husband and Tucker really want to be asked about the lie detector tests that were given way back when? On the other hand, do the, do the defendants really want to go under oath too? Claiming how they know these things and suspect all these things and everything else. Because I think that that's just going to make them look bad as well. So I, you know, what do I know? I, I mean, I thought I thought the second Banky trial was going to be hung again. Uh, it, of course, they found him guilty. 
And I didn't, I, you know, it's on my list of things to talk about tonight. Maybe I'll get to that very quickly. But, you know, each side, uh, obviously, Penny uh, and her family have been most affected. It's all very sad. You know, none of this is going to get Tom, of course, to come back. But we have to, if we're looking at this objectively, both sides have done a lot of strange things. They just, so I, I just, I just don't, I mean, if, I, I mean, it's going to be a great spectacle if it does get to some sort of court where they're going to, you know, they're going to, no, no, we're going to take this to court. I mean, it will be a spectacle. If everybody wants a spectacle, we're going to get one. But wow, I cannot see how either side of this would really want to go be under oath and answer any questions from opposing lawyers in a civil case like that. I just, uh, but as a couple people have already privately contacted me, they really doubt that this is ever going to see a courtroom that the, the, the judge first judge that looked at this is going to just reject all of it. Once again, under free speech grounds and everything else, defamation cases are very, 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 very difficult to prove. And they're very, very expensive for the plaintiff because it's the plaintiff that has to prove that they have been harmed in some way beyond just being saying, you know, um, you know, they, you know, they ruined my life. I'm feeling bad about myself. It's tough. <coughs> for a great point, Ed, with any civil case, even if you think you're right on the rights, marriage, you have to ask yourself, are there any damages for which to sue? Then you ask, even if you win, can you collect? That's right. You have to be actually able to enumerate what you want these people to do to pay back, and it's hard to say what that is. Mark and Klein is an instigator. Releasing on his letterhead is just one more example. MT, I thought Phil Klein is a spokesperson for Penny and her family. No, he's an investigator. He's a pri- he's licensed as a private investigator in the state of Texas. Now I know that he has been their spokesperson, but how can you be a spokesperson and also be an investigator? An investigator is objective. A spokesperson just says whatever the client wants him or her to say. Those are two opposite things. How can they, they both can't be true. Rockford, one wonders if this is an orchestrated publicity campaign by Tom's family to keep this in the public eye. If so, <coughs> is there a logical point to it? Then I kind of get it. I think it's a big mess. And, uh, but for the record, I do not believe that Tom's family had anything to do with his death. I do not think that Phil Klein had anything to do with his death. I just think that Phil Klein is a poor, poor investigator. And uh, there are a lot, you know, we know about the thing that went on up in Idaho and other things. He's actually been involved, you know, in a couple other disappearances that Unfound is covered in which those guests had nothing good to say about him either. Their words, not mine. I've never, I've talked to him once over Messenger where he wanted me to take down things that were, you know, badly that said they're, that portrayed him in a poor light. And I said, that's not what I do. So Mark says, well, Klein has called himself a fixer. Okay. Well, we'll see if he can fix this. One more thing. Uh, Dateline. 
Steve Pankey episode came out this past Friday. I did not watch it. Uh, I understand that neither myself, the podcast, or the interview I did with Steve were mentioned. I want you to know that I'm totally fine with all of that. Uh, Probably the only thing that, uh, as I found out, is they ended up talking to another uh, podcaster instead. And um, which I, you know, think is kind of funny. But uh, it seems like there was no um, dissenting view that Steve was guilty and everything else. And you should just know, I'm, you know, you know how I've already felt about this. You know what happened a few months ago. Sharish really remembers when somebody, a certain person came in here and tried to troll me about uh, what I was saying about the Panky trial that it concluded back then. Um, If I'm going to be involved, it's better present it in a a factual, objective way. And it just doesn't seem that Dateline did this. They just went hook, line, and sinker. Steve Panky did this. There's no reason to think otherwise. And that's just crazy. So I'm glad I'm not. I'm glad I'm not included. I don't want to be a part of that kind of thinking. I just don't. All right, let's get to this Friday's disappearance. We're going to North Carolina. Garland, North Carolina for the disappearance of Judith Devers Hyder. H-Y-D-E-R. Her disappearance is not on the Charlie Project, but it is on NamUs. She went missing on December 7th, 2015. Yes, Pearl Harbor Day. And her daughter, Taylor Andrews, is the guest. The interview's already been done. Taylor did a fantastic job. There will be a map analysis, although it will not be as long a one as it was for Bowman. And uh, this disappearance, maybe, uh, just to compare it to like Bowman's, is in kind of a totally opposite direction. Uh, Judith, in her early 50s, was living with friends. She was kind of down on her luck, but she was going to be she had gotten some financing, like through Section 8 housing, something like that, uh, to get her own place. She, she was going to be moving out. But then about a few weeks before this happened, she went missing. And she was living with these friends. And the friends say uh, they have no idea what happened to her. But uh, when a search was done for Judith, her car was found right down the street from where she was living with them. And it was found uh, kind of what you would call hidden behind an abandoned house. Now, the tough thing about this disappearance is that the owners, these friends of hers, had a younger man who would come and stay with uh, them once in a while, although he's not staying with them at the time that Judith was. But he had a story later that his truck had broken down at their place and that Judith had given him a ride home, dropped him off at his house, and then she left never to be seen again. The issue, though, is uh, there's no clear indication that his truck was broken down on that day at all. Of course, that will be up for you to decide regarding that. So I don't have a name yet for this episode. I'm going to be working on it starting tomorrow. We'll get the theme going and see how we can compare Judith's disappearance to some others that we have done on Unfound. So once again, Judith Devers. Devers Devers is her maiden name, D-E-A-V-E-R-S. Her married name was Hyder, H-Y. D-E-R, Garland, North Carolina, like Judy Garland, December 7th, 2015, so it's a little over seven years old. Her daughter, Taylor, 
is the guest. And like I said, Taylor did a fantastic job. So that's all I got. Uh, I am done for tonight. Covered a lot of stuff tonight. It was a really, really, really strong, strong show. There I say it. <laughs> of course, I'm a little biased. But thank you, everybody, for tuning in tonight. And great talk on music. Um, and uh, just great discussion. Thank you. Please consider going to Patreon. You saw Rockford earlier in this show uh, tout the the benefits of becoming a Patreon member, patreon.com forward slash unfound podcast, or join this channel and get your name in green and everything else here in the chat. And you will hear me on Friday. Just uh, audio this week, no video, but there will, of course, the episode will be on YouTube, here on YouTube. Good night. See you, Charlie. Thank you for moderating, Sheree.